Hello there, and welcome to the Bunkerzilla Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK, the place where we talk about all the great films available on the digital streaming platforms. I'm your host, Ian Bolton, and I am joined, as always, by my cinematic partner in crime, Christian R. Allen. Hello, Christian. Namaste. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Yourself? I am doing all right. It's it's kind of same old, same old, really. With with the <laughs> time is kind of, an illusion. <laughs> it's kind of, you do get a sense of Groundhog Day continually happening now, oh, especially at home here. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to go slightly mad. Um, I, I, I don't know if I said this before, but that, that the viral meme where it was basically there is no Monday, there's no Tuesday, there's no Wednesday, there's no Thursday, there's no Friday, and there's no Saturday, and there's no Sunday. There is only yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Oh dear! But yeah, <laughs> there, it, there is no. Mu- I, apparently, it's April. Is it? I, I don't know if that's true anymore. Uh, well, 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 it's almost May. Wow. Joy. Did this end, Ian? I don't know. We have oh, to wait yeah. for the season finale. <laughs> the season finale. This does feel like <laughs> the season finale to Western um, civilization. Oh, well, actually, just well, global civilization, actually. <laughs> Oh, it just feels like the long wait until you're told you've been picked up for another series. Yay. Yay. But we're not talking about TV. We're talking about films. <laughs> Amateur mistake from us. Yes, before we go off onto random tangents about TV, wrestling and all that jazz, we, we are here to talk about films. And we've the thing, got... But the thing is, TV is better than film now. <laughs> you get more of it. This bang is, for your buck. This is partially true. But then I would like to think the films that we are watching, some most of them more recent releases, are still pretty good. It's just, unfortunately, we can't see them on a giant screen at that's the moment. That's true, that's true. I don't know, uh, my TV's pretty... Is, I, my television is the biggest television I've ever owned in my life. My, my dream as a child was having my own little cinema room, and it's just having this like flat-screen, 40-inch television is the closest I've ever gotten to that, so I'm quite content. I'm... I'd like to dream a little bit bigger, darling. What, 50-inch <laughs> television? No, I was like, I'd like, I was like, ideally, I think the most I can go up to is probably 60 or 75. Are you aware that we're comparing inches? <laughs> well, this has got awfully wrong in the wrong direction. <laughs> mm, yes, your screen is flatter, Ian. Ooh, ooh, see the bezel. I can't see where the edges are. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly mine is smaller, but it's got higher resolution. I don't I don't know where I'm going with this to be honest. And it's got wonderful smart features like auto turn off. Alright, you're you're disgusting. We need to stop this conversation immediately. I, I, I take back what I said. Film is superior to television. Actually no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change my mind and actually agree with that sentiment because although television has become phenomenal over the last ten years, especially in the United States, that wasn't the case throughout most of history. Most television has been objectively dreadful. Um, uh, and um, you kind of think, oh, what's the what's the pinnacle of TV? I watched a game show, I think, two weeks ago, which is kind of like I can't remember the name, but it had I, oh. <laughs> that's the impact it, it's had. I think it had Padding. I think it had Padding McGuinness, and basically, people had to answer questions, and the only way they could score money or score points is basically they stand by that answer and they wait for a giant ball to drop from above them, and they have to catch the ball, and if they catch the ball. They get a point or something. (laughs) It sounds absolutely terrible. It's like catch the ball. I I will say, talking about television, I've just started watching Quiz, the ITV drama. I need to watch that. uh, I think it's brilliant. I'm one episode in. Um, 
Martin Sheen, not Michael Sheen, as he's credited in the episode. Uh, Michael Sheen, not Martin. You're oh, damn it! I've got it the wrong way around now. No, oh, it's an easy mistake to make. Michael Sheen's going to oh. find you, and he's going <laughs> to yell at you. I love my, I love Michael Sheen. He's one of my favourite actors. And um, what? Why did it? So he was credited. So what? So, so basically, was it, was it Twitter that gave him the wrong name? Or no, no, it was the ITV announcer. Ah, right. So it's like, com- it's like coming up next, Martin Sheen stars in Quiz. Because that would be a very different movie if Martin Sheen was playing Chris Tarrant. <laughs> just be, you'd just be looking very solemn like he does in The West Wing. Just going, <laughs> are you sure that's the right answer? I, I can't do a Martin Sheen per se to my life. What was that? I don't know. Just generic, grumpy American <laughs> accent. Go with me with this. Work with me. <laughs> no, I don't think you deserve to be worked with right now. <laughs> Like, if I, I'm cancelling the podcast immediately. I'm I'm jealous at your superior inch, <laughs> and your significantly superior bezel. But do you have smart features such as Netflix <laughs> built in to your remote? This filth is disgusting. I, I feel I feel dirty. Anyway, what I was going to say is quiz is fantastic. Mm. Like, I'll, um, do watch it. Um, Michael Sheen's impersonation of Chris Tarrant is phenomenal. I, I kind of forgot I was watching Michael Sheen perform. Mm. Um, and I, I remember, I don't know, it, it, it made me excited for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire again because I remember in the late 90s just how much of a storm and a cultural yeah. impact that show had. And it is a brilliant piece of television. I think I think the newer version with Jamie Cloxton has been getting decent reviews as well. It's like, it's the same, it's the same format. It's just you've replaced Tarrant with Clarkson. Well, I'm, I'm Depend, sure, depends I'm how sure. much you like Clarkson, but I, I'm a, I, I'm a, I, I'm a bit of a Clarkson apologist, but I also understand why people don't like Jeremy Clarkson. Mm, yeah, it's like <laughs> um, to say the least. I mean, but, I, I mean, I've, I mean, I, I can, I can tolerate him, but yeah, it's like half the stuff that he kind of believes in, I don't believe in that sort of stuff. So, well, a lot of, to be fair to Jeremy Clarkson, a lot of the sort of comedy he's employed over the years is very self-referential and ironic he is especially during the, the golden years of top gear yeah um they were playing scripted exaggerated versions of themselves they're a bit it was mm. basically a parody of the midlife crisis yeah so there's been a lot of confusion between the real opinions of clarks and the person who mm. seems if you actually take him from his word he seems a pretty pretty sensible um, decent bloke yeah. and the over-the-top you know politically incorrect clarkson of the bbc um um, and the sun <laughs> and his yeah. other columns like that. So yeah, there's, there's you know, each to the ah, one, you know. I, I, I will say this: it doesn't matter what your opinions of Clarkson and uh, and uh, the other two are. Although James May, he's not really a controversial figure at all. It's more Richard Hammond. Yeah. Um, no one has, no no one watches Top Gear without them. Yeah. I mean, like I, I tried, and it was one of the it was one of the dullest programs I've ever seen in my life. I watched. I watched. I think I watched the first episode when it was Chris Evans hosting and it was just very weird because Chris Evans was shouting a lot and everyone else was kind of going, Chris, calm down. We're going to talk about the car sensibly. Yes, but look how quick it goes. <laughs> maybe he'd never seen a car before. I know he collects them, but I don't know. Maybe he's never driven them before. I I, I heard that something, it got a little bit better when Matt LeBlanc was kind of like the main, like one of the main hosts instead of Evans and then the newer, the new the new free. Uh, I think a flint off uh, Rory Reed, and I think Chris Harris has been better. Oh no, Pat, I think Paddy McGuinness is involved. 
not Flintoff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I, see, see, this is how far I do. I pay attention to changes for things that I'm not watching anymore. No one likes change. I don't just like watch, change. Just watch the Grand Tour instead. It's phenomenal. Why is it not called Top Gear? Boo. I, I genuinely, I genuinely tweeted this to Clarkson at the time. So why don't you just call the show? Why don't you just call your new show Prime Gear? And apparently, it turned out the BBC, the BBC had just registered every variant of gear imaginable. Ooh. Ooh. Like, yeah, I was like, I was hoping they'd pick it and give me a check, but you know, it didn't materialise. Obviously, I was like, and that tower was made for life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, some people you just have to write one hit song like you're done. <laughs> that's, that's you know. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, movies. Oh, yeah, we're, we're talking about films. We <laughs> we're talking about films. If we, we went off on a random, <laughs> well, it could, well, we get to share our personalities a bit with the listeners, and we are thankful that you have chosen to listen to us today. Thank you very much for downloading and streaming, for having to listen to our personalities. <laughs> See, there's where the self-referential humor is coming in already. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Oh, no, we're turning into Top Gear. <laughs> and now let's explosions. Cut, now let's cut away for a completely different tip skit. <laughs> do, do you think Top Gear would work on t- radio? Maybe. <laughs> if, we had sound, if we had sound effects. See, if I, with my sound pad, if I brought in nature sounds and city sounds, we could say, now let's go out to the streets of... Uh, streets of York. Why York? You can't <laughs> drive in York. I don't know. Just you can drive around mind. York. Why are we talking about... When was the last time you were in York? I don't know. You live, you live in Reading. Cars. Why didn't you just say Reading? Not any, it didn't come any to other... mind. <laughs> I'm so flipping angry at you right now. Your superior now... <laughs> television. And now let us go to the lovely streets of Luton. <laughs> Uh, We're here in Luton to talk about racing films in the streets. No one is here for sensible reasons. (laughs) Back to the studio, Ian. Fangs, Ian. (laughs) So, babe. So, let's start off with some films. And uh, let's start off with your choice. And this is the 1995 family film, Babe, Christian. Tell us about Babe. Babe is a story of a little pig called Babe, who was the runt of the litter, and through uh, rather tragic circumstances, well, not tragic for Babe, but for the rest of his kin, uh, survives the abattoir and finds himself um, basically at a farm being fattened up to be the Christmas dinner. However, something unexpected happens to Babe. He finds himself uh, with a peculiar talent, he is able to herd sheep. And the farmer discovers this and has a little crazy notion. I'm going to enter this uh, this sheep pig into the, the big sheepdog competition and see if I can lose all my friends and respect of my peers by demonstrating how crazy I've become by using a pig instead of a sheepdog. When I first came to the boss's farm, it was a whole new world to me. Everyone here seemed to know their place. The boss and his wife, the sheep dogs, the sheep, and all the other animals. Well, almost. We've got to do something about that duck. Now I just have to figure out where I fit in. And hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Yes. Uh, I did you did you watch this when it 
when you were younger? I loved this film when I was a kid. I had it, I think I must have worn the videotape down to the point where it was practically see-through. Um, I, I watched this, I, I think I saw it at the cinema. I can't, I can't remember. I would have been six or seven. I would have been about seven when this came out. I definitely uh, didn't see Babe at the cinema, but I remember always kind of watching bits and pieces of it on something like Sky. Yeah. Um and I I think I did watch I did watch it entirely on Sky one time. It's just I think it's just I, I remember it always being like a film like if if it was very quiet and stuff and there was nothing else on and babe and you just saw a little bit of babe, just like, oh okay, it's like I know where it is. It's like it's a short film. It is actually quite a short film, it's eleven to nineteen minutes. Mm. But um but yeah, it's one of those films where you can just sort of jump in because I think that's how I first started watching Babe was kind of coming in at random bits because it's very it has a very unique sort of um cue card uh, yeah, I, I narration it, if, i'm not entirely sure uh, because obviously this is an adaptation of a, a dick king smith book called the sheep pig um yeah. and it feels like the film is chaptered um in a mm. similar manner to the book i mean the cue cards okay. are quite adorable with the little mice um <laughs> screeching the um the names of the chapters mm. um and it did it did make it a, quite a breeze to what i was able i felt like i just pause it you know and um make myself a cup of tea and sit back in because I watched it over a couple of days just for, mm. to find time and um, I um, yeah I, I don't know if it was nostalgia but I, I definitely um, I, don't know if, I don't think it is nostalgia because there were definitely there are elements of the film that haven't aged particularly well in terms of the production um, just just um, the animals talk and it's, it's a combination of real animals and Jim Henson animatronics mm-hmm. uh, no, sorry not animatronics puppetry yeah. um, and for the most part, I would say one of our. As a kid, it seemed flawless, and I remember being amazed by how have they made these those animals talk, um, because it, it's 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 the, the the mouths move quite quite naturally for the dialogue. Yeah, it, it, it syncs up. It, it actually does a lot better. It does a better job of talking animals than the recent Lion King um, remake. It's like opinion. the animals have a personality. Yeah, the animals have a personality. You, you immediately understand each of these characters. And they are characters. They're, they're more than just caricatures of their particular species. Although that plays an mm. important part of the story. Especially the fact that the, the, the conformity and expectations of your role is very much a, a theme of the story and how to break out of that. And mm. as represented by Babe, who should be just there. <laughs> he serves one purpose, as I mentioned, to be fattened up and eaten. Um, which it's interesting the way it, deal, it deals with um, the harsh realities of um, 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 animal husbandry. Um, in, in a kind of, from the perspective of the animals, they almost have a sort of mytholo- mythologized perspective on it. Um, well, it's like at the start of the film, it's like all the pigs that, Going to the back of the abattoir van, you kind of they go, oh, we're going to pig paradise. Yes, um, but then on the but then on the farm there are some some animals that just kind of resign to the fact that they know that that's that's the way of life. It's basically this is your place in the world. Yes, deal with it. It, it would make an interesting companion piece with um, Animal Farm, um, <laughs> but it's um uh, it's 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 a lot more um, it's less depressing than that it's, it's more inspirational it definitely feels like this has the um that old american anyone can be president mentality you know any anyone can be a sheepdog <laughs> um and there is um as i was saying um in hindsight watching this as an adult i could definitely tell when they're not animals anymore 
and mm. it's it's quite obvious that it's a, it's a CGI is being used to manipulate the animals' mouths, and it is a little a little bit um a little bit um not as authentic as I thought as a seven eight year old. However, as a, it's still better than the Lion King, <laughs> which yeah. is shocking when you think about the amount of money and resources thrown at that film compared mm. to something 30 years ago made with you know just actual animals and um <laughs> and puppets um i i think the difference i think the reason why i would probably say that this is a superior film to the lion king and other similar recent um disney movies with animal um cgi animals is the fact also that it has a better script than anything mm. I've watched. Um, those those characters shine through in their dialogue. And the story is brilliant. I think it's genuinely... Mm. I would be hard-pressed to find any kids sitting down and not loving this film. I made the terrible mistake of... Just, just didn't think about it. I shouldn't have done it. I ate a bacon sandwich before watching this film. And um, I, I felt genuinely <laughs> guilty. I felt atrocious for a good half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I so, mean just to go back just go back on your point about the the visual effects and stuff like that. So yeah, they they do come across a bit dated, but you know what? I I still it still works. Yeah, still I works completely to- agree. It, it didn't take me away from the the mm. from the film. It was more just a oh, I can see how they've done that. Yeah. Um which is it was actually yeah, it didn't it didn't remove me at all. Because originally I think this was like a, a film that was like 10 years in the making because I who I think it was George Miller or Chris Nolan, one of the two, um, they got the rights to the film, but they were waiting for the time technology was right to do the film yeah. before moving forward. Um, and you kind of wonder, it's like, would it? It's kind of like I, I can't. It's like I imagine Babe today would not be the Babe we've watched. No, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not because I, I like the move away from using animals in films and CGI. Yeah. Um, just because of the, I mean, you only have to watch the Tiger King documentary on Netflix to appreciate just how some of the awful conditions animals find themselves in in these productions. Not, not that I know anything about the production of Babe, so I, I'm not commenting about mm. this particular film. I'm just talking about Hollywood in general, because um, obviously there are there are standards in place. Was it the um, yeah. Animal Welfare Society that has to certify? What's the what's the organisation that certifies films? In America, yeah, uh, Motion Picture uh, Association uh, for animal safety. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically, yeah, there there are organised bodies that usually say stay on set yeah. and um, just make sure. Oh, yeah, you're not you're not um, electrocuting that bear to make it smile. Yeah. But um so I there there are practical elements to modern day filmmaking I appreciate. And and as things progress, I mean there are elements of the I keep going back to Lion King and, and Jungle Book the, the, there are elements of that where I was genuinely convinced that those animals are real, but sometimes it fails and mm. you can tell oh it's CGI. Um, well my big my big problem with the Lion King uh twenty twenty nineteen version is simply simply the fact is the animals looked amazing. It's just you couldn't tell their expression on their face. They lacked, they they lacked would, character. It was kind of like, rah. <laughs> um, but no, um, it's, yeah, I, it would be, I think you're right, it would be a very different film. Um, it would probably push harder the um, the vegetarian message as well, because it's not really, I mean, it, it's it's there, obviously, as a theme, but it's not, it, it kind of, it's a strange duality of the film. It kind of accepts um, the sort of, carnivorous element of a human so, diet 
there is there is a there is a fact uh, that came with Babe um, that after the film came out in '95, USA pork sales dropped by twenty percent. Really, that's interesting. So they definitely had an impact on sort of like vegetarianism. I, I know J- James Cromwell, who uh, he plays the the farmer character, and he, he yeah. is brilliant. We, we should talk about them in a moment. He, he actually mm. became an ethical vegan during the, I think, either during or after the production of the film. Uh, I think said, after the film, yeah. Like, and I could definitely see that. I, but I think the message would probably be pushed a bit harder in today, to today's climate. Um, of, um, but yeah, um, speak, speaking of um, James Cromwell, what did you think of him? Because he is a, fa- I mean, obviously his wife character. Um, she she has a bit of um, uh, sort of comic relief, and, and, mm. and as does his family members, just especially during the Christmas scene. But mm. it, he is the only real central performance that isn't an animal. Yeah, um, Cromwell's superb in this. Yes, I, I I think he's um he doesn't have a lot to do, but he does a lot with it. In a very subtle way, so he, he, he sort of judges the scenes, and, and that will do. Pig is just such an iconic line. I've been, I've realised I've been quoting that for twenty years. Like, mm. like, I, I, I remember I remember in a job recently. I just went. Um, we were talking. We were just talking about some random documents we'd processed, and we we decided to give up. And I just went, that would do. And my manager just instinctively went pig. <laughs> just <laughs> we never had a conversation about babe in our life, but like, but um. Well, no, I mean, I think Cromwell does a lot with, because basically it's not, it's, he only had like a hundred, only had like a couple hundred words of spoken dialogue and 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 a, and a portion of that was actually sung during the whole sort of uh, uh, rehabilitating babe bit uh, yeah. towards the end of the film. Um, so it's kind of like, it's more, I think it's more about the facial expressions. I think it's more about uh, the temperament and kind of... Um, uh, what's the word? Demeanor. But yeah, it's it, demeanor. That's it. Yeah, um, because he's very stoic at times. Yes. So he, he don't, he don't, he's a man of few words. So basically, you, you see his emotions go through more on his face, and Cromwell does that spectacularly here. Yeah, he makes some excellent choices throughout the film. Mm. And, um, now, if it feels like what, what I like about his performance, very similar to Michael Caine in um, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, he's taking the performance seriously. Mm. Um, he, he's, he's effectively playing it straight, even though what he's doing is quite comical, and it yeah. really, it really does anchor the film down. It's sort of like it, his his grounded take on the film really helps with the fantastic element of the story. Mm. Um, also, you were going to say because um, no, no, I'll, I'll touch on something about James Cromwell in a second about the film, but I just, I just had this horrible thought that if the film was made today you would probably take a page out of Peter Rabbit's book and cast some sort of straight actor, <laughs> yep. but straight, straight-faced straight actor, but they'll be playing it completely for comedic effects. It's like Dominic Gleeson in, in Peter Rabbit. It's like, no, you I, see I him think, being so serious right. in things. And that, right. and that makes me worried. That that worries me because basically that's kind of like the norm. It's kind of like the norm in most of these sort of family films now. It's like, it's like you're going to have some attitude. You're going to have tune. You're going to have music from the time and stuff like that. Whereas you look at Babe, Babe didn't really have any of that. No, there's a real sincerity in Babe. Yeah, it's a very. It's not sickly. It's not sickly no, sweet. It's, no, not it's, at all. It's it's good-hearted, 
And um, yeah, it, it takes the subject matter seriously. And I mm. think you're right. I mean, I, I don't know why we're getting worried about a hypothetical remake that's not actually happening. No, but it's more of the state of... I, I, I agree. I mean, those films like Hop and Peter Rabbit, I, I find them obnoxious. Mm. And um, I don't think they have much value um, to them, to be honest. And I, it's, I, I think this film is superior. And I'm not just saying that because, you know films were better back in my day. There were pretty terrible children's films in the 90s as well. Oh, yeah, there were. <laughs> and there's some very there good definitely ones were. There's some very good ones in this day and age as well. Mm. It's, it's just um, in terms of modern trends, I think you're right. These these kind of human-animal stories are devolving into, um, into um, pretty infantile affairs. They're just not treating their audience, you know, i.e. children, with much respect. That's how I feel. Yeah, and, and, I think that's what, and I think that's why Bay still stands head and shoulders is basically uh it still stands head and shoulders above above a lot of other current children's films because it's not pandering it's not going oh look at the cute animals look at the cute they're they're doing silly things that you wouldn't expect them to do let's all go ah now let's have some music by um hansen <laughs> <laughs> with umbop yep or something like that that. But um, no, one of the funny, one of the um, I was looking into the trivia side of things on on Babe, and one of the things that I didn't realise was um, James Cromwell actually funded his own Oscar campaign. Really? Yeah. So basically, he, he, wasn't, he, he didn't win, did he? He was nominated. He was nominated. Um, uh, can't remember who he lost out to on that in that year. It was a, it was a pretty big. Year. It was a pretty sort of competitive year as well. I mean, uh, most of the best actor ones tend to be, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically they were going, they, they were coming. Why don't you go for best actor? He's like, well, no, because I'm not the main character. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but he, so it, yeah, I mean, Babe was nominated though, right? The pig. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I just get a novelty Oscar, like usually whenever like a film that comes out and people just love it. It's like when um, it's like when Toy Story came out and they kind of gave it a, its own little mini Oscar and it turned into a little skit or something. One of my favourite ones was, um, you know, Walt Disney was presented a special Academy Award for his achievement with Snow White. They gave him yeah. a, a normal Oscar statuette with seven little ones attached. Yeah, like, yeah. But no, um, no, Cromwell, Cromwell wanted to do supporting actor and didn't really have the support of the studio, so he went out and did he did his own campaign for sixty thousand dollars. Amazing. And, uh, well, I mean, and, just being, if an actor's nominated for best, um, best actor, even just the nomination itself is it could be a quite career changing move. Yeah. Um, the um the the other great performance we have to talk about is Babe, um, oh yes, as as voiced by Christine Kavanagh, who um I, yes. I, I, I was I'm tough for the film. I just had a, it's Chucky from uh, <laughs> from it's the Chucky Rugrats. from Rugrats or Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Yes, and um so she, she her her voice work has been kind of embedded in my skull for a long time without even thinking about it. But um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, sadly, um, uh, Christine Kavanagh passed away in 2014. Oh, did 51. she? Yeah, she did. Oh, no, I had no idea. So, um, so Babe was one of, obviously, her, her standout roles. But, yeah, I think you, you look at her filmography over, over her career in life, Rot Reds sticks out easily as Chucky and uh, Texas Laboratory. So those are the two kind of things. I mean, I mean, I, if I'm going really off a tangent, yeah. she's the voice of Bunny Rabbit in the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon the, the, that is the, the, the serious the serious one yeah, yeah the one the one where people get roboticized and stuff like that it's interesting, it's interesting because those two that came out the same time as the bad sonic cartoon <laughs> and then they were sonic underground 
No, 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 no. The original Sonic Cut. Oh, the Adventures of Sonic yes, the Hedgehog. Yes, Sonic Cut. With the weird squiggly backgrounds and the, and the supersonic search and smash and destroy group. I can't remember off the top oh, of my head. I've probably got most of it there. It's dreadful. I've probably got most of it there. But no, the, 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 the one starting with um, Kristen Kavanagh um, featured is one of the best children's cartoon series ever produced. It's just because it's a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. It's kind of fallen under, under the radar critically. Mm. Um, but no, no, um, her performance in Babe is phenomenal. And again, there's that there's that sweetness to it, which isn't sickly. It's, it's a sincere, really, really um, um, compelling performance. And, and you, you just, um, from the offset, you're rooting for Babe. I mean, how can you? Is it, Babe is adorable anyway, but with the, Babe's with, just a polite little pig. Yes, and he's, and, and a, I, I do, he's do, always just polite. <laughs> and I do like that. It's an important message in the film: is that the, the, the key to Babe's success is that he politely asks and engages with people who are different. I say people, characters who are on the outside mm. um, are fundamentally different to him, um, mm. and I think that's a quite important message to be installed. Like you know. We should we should build bridges, not burn them. Or and, um, shout randomly things at other people and expect things to happen yes. because it won't. No, not at all. And uh, and it's uh, the reverse of that is represented by Hugo Weaving's character Rex, who's who's basically the alpha um, sheepdog, who um, mm. is a, a really good performance as well. Um, but it's Hugo Weaving. What do you expect? Um, mm. <laughs> Well, his, his I think act- this is. I think that. I think this is a voice performance that he actually cared about. Because you ask about Transformers, and his eyes glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say none of the vo- none of the vocal work feels you know phoned in at all. Uh, Miriam Margot, she plays um, Fly, who's basically becomes a surrogate mother for Babe, and um, mm-hmm. she's probably more fate, probably more recognisable for most of our listeners as Professor Sprout from the Harry Potter franchise. Um, although she's obviously worked for a very long time in the industry um she um no she's very good she brings a lot of warmth to this as well and um mm. yeah she's she plays a very important part of babe's story um i will i will kind of ask a question okay. having me watch this film what country is this film setting i was it, i was gonna point, it... i was gonna raise it because i i hadn't appreciated this as a kid right mm. so the performances suggest this is the united states this is like yeah yeah middle america but the filmmakers suggest, but the the filmmakers involved make you think this might be Australia. It, it looks like New Zealand. It feels very Shire esque yeah. to me. Yeah, um, the Shire ten years before the Shire, or not even it's ten years. Scene, no, right? no, a few years before the Shire. Um, it's it's even stranger. The scene set at Christmas is a, clearly a bright Pacific summer, um, which makes you think. Again, New Zealand, Australia side of things. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, I, I like I, I like the art direction. I think that the film looks yeah. great. It's just a bit jarring if you think about it. it and it it's kind of and oh, it's kind and it's kind of like the slightly difference in kind of accents as well. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a, it's kind of a strange mishmash. I mean, it, I'm just I'm just going to assume it's in it's in whatever world <laughs> rural it's, it's generic rural united american new zealand australia yeah i mean, I mean it's, it's it seems contemporary as well but the art direction would suggest this is the 50s the 1950s with a fax machine oh yes yeah oh the fax machine <laughs> <laughs> so you can send letters it's like we don't do that anymore kids gather around let us explain to you how the fax machine worked <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, there's a moment during the Christmas scene where um, it, it, you see throughout the back, throughout the film, the um, 
the farmer's wife character um, building from scratch this beautiful doll's house. And then mm. when it's un, un, unwrapped on Christmas Day, the little girl, her, her granddaughter's crying and screaming, that's the wrong one. And I just, I've never <laughs> wanted to smack a child so hard in a film before. It's like, just for the benefit of our listeners, I don't condone any form of violence towards children. <laughs> Except for this fictional one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you weren't enraged by that? It's just, it's typical child character number 74, the spoilt brat. If you get a present on Christmas Day from your grandma that you don't like, you suck it up, you smile, you say thank you, you hug and kiss, and then you're sad quietly for the rest of the day. That's what I did when I got the wrong Power Rangers set. That's what this girl should have done when she got the wrong dollhouse. I mean, I, I mean, I, I got a, because I think, I think someone, someone got me a calendar thinking oh yeah this is this is up in street and it's like it's a Yu-Gi-Oh calendar <laughs> and i'm kind of going i was like thank you it's like i probably will not be putting this up in my room but thank you <laughs> i didn't obviously say those words but it's just kind of like oh okay <laughs> that that does sound like the worst christmas present i right, i in that situation you're allowed to punch grandma just the- <laughs> <laughs> no don't no, punch your hey, relatives don't punch grandma but challenger to a game of Yu-Gi-Oh with her soul on the line in the shadow dimension. Ah, but I'm going to play the card of Thoughtful Gift and turn it <laughs> sideways. That gives me a 50-plus attack every time you talk about that gift. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about this film? Um, no, I think I think in summary, Babies, Babe still stands out quite nicely today. Um, it's still head and shoulders a, above a lot of current uh, children's and family films. I mean, like we like we discussed earlier, there are there are except there are still good family films out there at the moment from new filmmakers and all that. But the the growing trend is either it's it's a pop cultural reference smorgasbord of shit. You, you mean a Shrek clone? Yes. Or. or and basically, it's kind of look how edgy we're being. Look how edgy we are. Look, it's Russell Brand as a character. Look how edgy we are. <laughs> is that, is that how uh, no, I just because I. If well, no, well, when Russell Brand was popular in America, there was always a, a side role that he would just turn up and play. It's like in Hop, or it's like, and, and it's like when when someone becomes flavor of the month, they just turn up in everything. Yeah. It's like it's the same with Jack Whitehall at the moment. It's like he turned. He's like Queen's Corky. He's going to be in Jungle Cruise. It's, it's yeah. It's like that's how that's how silly films, that, that, family films themselves, can get because it's like oh we're doing it because adults are going to watch this as well and they're going to get the humour. No, adults will go to sleep. I know this from my from my experiences growing up and going to the cinema because half the time I'm the one awake and the parent who has come along with me is having a nice nap. Yep, yep that's true. I mean, like, I mean the, only, the only place you can really... I mean, some of the... I, the, the good ones, recent times that spring to mind would be the Lego movies. Um, yeah, Lego so movies. I, I I do love the Batman Lego movie. It's the only film I've watched where I thought this is too funny. I need a break from laughing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um and basically anything Pixar, most of Pixar's output is yeah. even a even a less than great Pixar movie tends to at least there's been some thought you know mm. put into this. Um, I mean, and I, on the other end of the spectrum, I mean. I mean, I watched uh, I watched over Christmas last year playing with fire, which is the John Cena 
a kids film. Which was it? Which it was short. That was nice. Oh, that's good. But then, but but then it's again. It's like, but it also had um had a key from Keen Peel as well as like his best as John Cena's best his best bud in the world, which was quite funny. Um, but the weirdest thing is like again, like I talk about people trying to cram in as much referential stuff. It's like apparently they're fans of BTS. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then, and end credits. Everyone dances to a BTS song. I, I, and I'm I just love, sat there, just film, going. I love oh. films that have been <laughs> on a on a whiteboard. <laughs> just, like... <laughs> just going off slightly on a tangent. One of the things I've enjoyed watching on YouTube lately is Screen Rant's pitch meetings, where basically they are dramatizing the uh, the pitch for certain films to the film studio and the writer. And I watched one about Ghostwriter, <laughs> the original one, and it was kind. Of, it's kind of like, are we going to address the fact that? He could have just gone off in the end with his girl and not still be Ghost Rider? No, because sequels. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That is true. <laughs> it, it's painful. Painfully true. Do you know the, anyway, a, Star- a recent film that reminds me of Babe, actually, and its approach towards animals interacting with humans is actually Sonic the Hedgehog. I thought that was... Although, although it's not of the same quality of Babe, mm. it was actually quite oddly sincere and sweet. In, mm. I, I, I thought I was expecting Sonic the Hedgehog to be um, the most obnoxious thing. Edgy. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting that. I was expecting it to be like Hop or Peter Rabbit. Um, but it wasn't. Sonic was actually quite quite sweet and sincere. And that made him a lot cooler as a character and a lot mm. more endearing. Um, I don't know. I just love Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm just, I'm just glad it wasn't a bad film. <laughs> I'm happy. And you can I'm own it now. It was a three star movie. That's. <laughs> but, and you can now own Sonic on digital platform. Yes, you can. But what, what are we going to give for Babe? Because I, I'm going to, I'm going to give it five stars. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it five. It's, it's, a, it's a good family film. Obviously, to all the parents out there who haven't, haven't experienced Babe with their kids or something like that, it's a nice, it's a nice Sunday afternoon film. And I, it, it's a, it's a nice family film. Day, night, in. Yeah, really. I, I can't. I can't imagine any family sitting down and not en- to watch this film and not enjoying it. I think the, the kids mm. would be captivated. I was. I like mm. and um, yeah. It, it, does, it feels like this film has kind of fallen out of the sort of like cultural zeitgeist mm. over the last several decades. Uh, the fact that it's been re-released on Netflix this week hopefully gives it a, you know, parents who watched it as kids will show mm. that we introduce this film to their kids and um, you know the film will keep keep in the public consciousness because I think this is an excellent movie and definitely I'm mm. not sure if it's the best kids movie ever made but it's definitely part of the conversation oh yeah absolutely absolutely right let's move over to uh, my my film choice for the episode now we're going to the world of Disney Plus and Natural Geographic for Free Solo Free Solo is a documentary charting the exploits of uh, Free Solo climber uh, Alex Arnold, who attempts to become the first person to climb El Capitan, which is in the Yosemite um, Park in America. And basically, the documentary just charts um, his career up until this point and documents basically his day to day, his kind of training and stuff like that, and basically sort of go and basically follows him through this through this audacious attempt. Because basically, with free solo climbing, you're climbing a mountain without any ropes any safety harnesses so you make a mistake you are pretty much dead does it feel different to be up there without a rope it's obviously like much higher consequence 
people who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every yeah. year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. So and then that, so that adds in obviously the, the obviously the concern on this one because it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, and um, I think one of the nice things, uh, well, not one of the nice things. I think one of the, I think one of the strengths of the film here is the people that are working with Alex to achieve this, like the filmmakers and stuff like that. They're they're experienced climbers and and filmmakers. Uh, they're experienced climbers as well as being able to document the climbs. And they are also uneasy at this. They're, because they're, it's kind they're, of... They're emotional. Um, they're, they are into that world, aren't they? Because they, we, we, yeah. we expect... <laughs> it, it was fascinating. I've, I've never watched a documentary about itself because that's kind of what this mm. is. And, yeah. and every, time the, every time a cameraman looks away, I'm, I'm, try, I'm also looking away from the TV. Yeah. Because, yeah, basically, it, it, it charts the person act is... Obviously, it, try, it tries to tap into who he is as a person, how he got into climbing, what he finds uh, exciting and riveting about climbing and stuff like that, and and his his mental state of being being able to do these sort of solo climbs, because basically one, one like I said, one mistake, it's game over. And, that, and that's the thing. And I think what's very interesting in the documentary is it does kind of chart the kind of, um, the emotional... Uh, challenge i think alex does have in doing this climb because doing all the solo climbs before he seemed to be absolutely in the zone he could do no wrong but as the film starts out you realize he would not realize um it's revealed that obviously he's started dating he's gone into a bit of a serious relationship and obviously bringing his friends along to document this seriously dangerous climb it's kind of it, it, it's obviously given him sort of um nerves i think it's kind of it's questioning his belief a little bit as well because um i think half of the film he does attempt the climb to begin with yes but then he start he stops after an hour or two because he's just going nope not feeling it which i'm and glad he did <laughs> because because it's kind of like no it's like i can't, I can't feel it because I, I don't like people watching me doing this and, and stuff like that and it's kind of like okay this is interesting and yeah, it's 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 a fairly A to Z documentary, but the fact is, it's very riveting, and I think it was very engaging. It's like I can, I it's like an hour and forty went by very quickly. Well, I mean, this, this is going to sound pretty obvious, but when it comes to a documentary, what, what makes it is not just the, the production itself, but it's the subject mm. matter. Yeah, um, and I have <laughs> my palms were so wet from sweat. By the end of this, I have I, yeah. I spent twenty minutes practically screaming um, during. The, I mean, I don't know if you if you want to reveal how it, the film ends, but obviously the, the last act is just dedicated solely to his attempt to free solo um, um, Al Capitan, uh, which mm. I, I found to be generally one of the most terrifying experiences in my life, just in terms of viewing a film. Um, this is exorcist level. <laughs> yeah, I mean juicing. it's it's, and, um, it's kind of like because I cannot get over. I I mean, the level of physical endurance and strength a human. I I spent 
I, I tell you what, I spent half this film screaming at my TV, my lovely TV, going, human beings can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, poster for free solo. Human beings can't do this. It's... Christian or Alan. <laughs> they can't, though. I'm, I'm still, I know what I watched is an accurate portrayal of the events d- depicted, but it's still a part of my brain that's going, nope. <laughs> no i mean i'm i mean i i am not a fan of heights so seeing all that sort of stuff and it's like you see the view getting more and more fast he's cloned up the, and going the, the film the filmmaking is uh, it, that in itself remove what alex does yeah <laughs> the, the the technical achievement of this documentary is in, in incredible um mm. and, and it's an as you say it's an element of the story is that the making of this documentary has an impact, and they're talking about the fact that if one of these filmmakers makes a mistake, that you know they dislodge a rock, they they distract him in any way because they're, yeah. they're using drones and they they're climbing themselves with rope, sort of parallel to his journey, yeah. with all this camera equipment, they could kill him. Yeah, and um, and watching the struggle, you know, it's, it's Jimmy Chin, one of the co-directors, because he, he directed mm. this with his wife um, Elizabeth Vasahale. I think I say mm-hmm. I think I say pronounce the surname. Uh, apologies yep. if I, I've botched that. Um, they, um, yeah, the, the, I I found his his story just as compelling as um, as Alex. And, and Alex's partner, I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head because it's her first, his first serious relationship. She's quite an interesting mm. character as well because she's she's clearly very. You can tell that she wants to support him. Mm. in this endeavour. And it's how they met. It's actually through a book signing of yeah. one of his biographies. And so, and so you can see the strain that's this this lifestyle's put on her because she wants to support mm. her partner in this endeavour. But you know that this, this is killing her emotionally. Yeah. And that's, that's generally quite heartbreaking. Because it's kind of like, because the way the, the third act goes is basically she goes away because she can't she can't be there because she knows she can't cope with it. But also it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like, I'm trying to find the, the, the best comparison thing. It's kind of like if someone you knew or someone you loved was going into like a, a life or death operation yeah. for, for hours and hours and you wouldn't know anything until it's all said and done. She, she almost, it almost feels like she's going through the mourning process during a lot yeah. of those, those scenes. I, I, think, I yeah. think that's a good analogy. Um, and um, I mean, the, you can, the, the interesting I mean, thing, the, the, the Alex himself, and the film talks about this. Um, so this isn't. I'm not being disparaging at all. It's um, no, not at um, all. He, he's, his mother says that he, he's likely to have Asperger's syndrome, or, or Asperger's, mm. as the Americans say. Um, and there's definitely you could you could see this character. He, he and there's a moment in the film where he's he has an MRI scan and basically shows that he, his brain doesn't really react to stimulus the same way the average person does. And mm. so you you can tell he he changes he goes from almost um, emotionally muted to like high response by mm. going on these climbs and it, it it seems like the strange thing I have to I've tried to understand whilst watching this documentary is that he when he does these climbs he's he's not thinking to himself I could die I'm do, I have to keep going to survive yeah when he's doing these climbs he's thinking I'm having such a lovely time. It's like this is this is this this is what makes me feel alive, yeah. and it's it's captivating. But I, I, it's a mentality I could never understand. No, and the, it, he he, it's it's what makes this documentary brilliant. It's all these things, all these characters that surround his story, and really and really help us connect to it. 
but the, the, just his incredible incredible ability to do these things um mm. there, there, there are moments where he almost has to go practically upside down <laughs> in order to traverse oh. through some of the i i'm watching this and again it's just that that does not seem physically possible Oh, it's like the thing, like the the boulder problem. The boulder problem. The boulder, the bowl solution, or one of those things. Where he's got. He's like, oh, I could do this. Or I can do that. Or I could do karate kick. It's like, what? <laughs> it, it, there's a moment where he, it's, it's basically there's there's a point during the the route he takes where he is an, as an alternative. There's as a section mm. which is basically a forty five degree slant of what is effectively glass. So. Mm. It it seems physic it seems easier, but it's, it's mm. the risks are higher. The alternative is effectively you have to you have to karate kick to one extreme, mm. <laughs> or jump. <laughs> and um, it made me laugh during that moment. I was watching this with my partner. She just um she she get, she whispered to me, "Make the climb." <laughs> and I, 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 I've never had a Dark Knight Rises reference so perfectly thrown at me before in my life. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this. I mean, this. I mean, I don't watch a lot of documentaries. Um, but no, this, this, this is really, really good. No, no, this, I, was... I, this, this stands out, and this, I believe, this won the this won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. It in 20, did, yeah. Well, it won. Yeah, it won the Oscar for it. Yeah, won the Oscar for it. Uh, deservedly so. I, I, I think this, regardless of this is what what Sean, regardless of this is fiction or non-fiction, this is one of the most compelling films I've ever watched in my life, and one of the scariest mm. and exhilarating movies I've ever watched in my life. Um, mm. I, I, <laughs> I, this film got more emotion out of me than most, you know, big budget blockbusters ever have. Yeah, had. I think. Yeah, it's just I just I just remember I just. It's just the whole third act climb, and it's just kind of like you're kind of just going no, because <laughs> you you kind of think he's, he's you, know, you kind of think yeah he's he, he's probably going to be able to do this right, but you're just looking at the different shots of the environment, and obviously the severity of the drop is like oh no. Well, I, only I, I mean. Only a short while because it was about three four hours. The the, the yeah, it was about three 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 hours forty five. I think yeah, within about half an hour of this journey, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, mm. like so, any point beyond that, it's just like and, and and the moment where he when he attempts to tackle the boulder problem or the the, the sort mm. of the the other elements of this climb where he just doesn't. To me, I mean, I've not experienced this, uh, this at all. To me, it's just mm. the av- average person watching this. It does not seem physically possible. I, I keep saying this over and over again, but just you watch this. Your jaw—I I don't know how 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 close to the ground was your jaw because mine was practically on the floor. Fair, fairly close. Yeah. So it's more—it's more kind of like no, I don't want to look. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was—I was like, it was kind of like Carol lines or just kind of just kind of looking away from the screen because it's like it's like one of his his climbing friends who's also helping film. It's basically it's just the bit bit when he just realizes this this I don't really want to watch this bit and he just and it's like you you feel emotionally invested even then it's because it's like well that's the thing that you, that you, like I said just now that these the camera crew they go in they you you're with them <laughs> you're, mm. you're not really with um, Alex at all you are you're with the um, with the filmmakers with the partner with the the mother. Um, you, you, you are a helpless spectator, and um, it's. 
I felt brave just watching this film. <laughs> <laughs> have the brave badge. I'll have the there brave you badge, you know. I, I'll, I'll have the bronze bra- brave badge. We'll give Alex the gold, no, the platinum one, yeah. Platinum one, yes. <laughs> but I mean, what a oh, fascinating yeah. figure. What a fascinating figure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's again, it's the power of power of documentaries. It's like you can you can see different worlds. You can see different fit. You can come across different characters and different feats of of human endurance and and human ingenuity. Yeah, yeah you have to, yeah, even exactly. the level of internet this person demonstrates because it's not a case of he just. It, what I really liked about the film was it talked about the level of preparation involved. I mean, like yeah. the, 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 aside from the physical regime this person has to live I mean his strength is incredible watching him do those press ups mm. was like I've, I, I've never seen that from like people in the gym um, mm. but the, the level of planning involved it's almost as if in his mind he has a 3D topographical map of that landscape it's just embedded and he can he can bring back he knew every single nook and cranny that's because they did because they they demonstrated in the film they do numerous numerous cl- normal normal climbs yeah just to kind of get lay of the land and even when they were normally climbing and that what someone would just make an odd mistake and they've still got they're, they're still attached to the rope and it's like oh, okay it's like i think there's one bit where someone is sort of trying to to climb up and they go oh <laughs> and they just suddenly drop and it's like ah right so uh let's let's get to a star rating for this uh i'm gonna give it five you want to give it five? I want to give it five as well. Oh. It's a double. It's a double five star episode. <laughs> that's, that's good to know because the last couple of films we've been reviewing have been absolutely dire. <laughs> so that's made that's made up for coffee and cream. Oh, nothing can make up for coffee and cream. That's one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> so yes, uh, Free Solo is on Disney Plus. So if you've got a Disney Plus membership. Go to Natural Geographic and find it there. I, it is definitely worth a watch. I will just say this. This was my first time navigating Disney Plus to watch this mm. film. And the, the National Geographic stuff looks great. Can yeah. I just say, most films available on Disney Plus are dreadful. Like, there's, there's a few classic Pixar Disney movies. And obviously you've got the Star Wars movies, even though they've been book, you know, edited to hell. Um but it, it's just mostly these terrible live-action Disney movies they knocked out in like the sixties and seventies. Like, oh, you mean like the the the, the computer wore tennis shoes <laughs> like, with Kurt Russell? Or like, my professor is also my car. Those kind of films, you know. Like, I just made that up, but that could have been one of the films. Our dinosaur is missing. It just. <laughs> it's, it's all these films are just like the single, the, you know, the single line synopsis. That's, yeah. that's how they name these films. They haven't got proper names. <laughs> oh, there's that that darn cat. That darn cat. There's two versions of it. One from the seventies and one from the one from the nineties. I mean, look at looking at this dross. I'm <laughs> amazed that they were able to make Mary Poppins as good as it is because <laughs> that is Mary Poppins is not is not a sign. <laughs> does not. Um, accurately reflect the quality of Disney's live action output over the over the last 50 60 years. Mm. Am I being harsh? I'm not being harsh, right? It is, I'm, I'm, Perhaps you need to watch a couple of these films and then reevaluate your position. <laughs> I don't think you need to. I think you just don't. watch the first 5 minutes and like eh. Are you saying there's something wrong with the Herbie films? Oh, the Herbie films are bad, man. Then <laughs> 
I, 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 what I, about I, Tim I Allen as the shaggy dog? I recall Flight of the Navigator being very good. Mm. Um, and the Tron movies I've got a soft spot for. Um, but that could just be nostalgia. I don't know. I just, I, just, I just think, I don't think the Disney Plus is offering... I don't think it's that good, to be honest. I mean, uh, the, the things I've wanted to watch, that they've either been cropped or edited. Um, the Simpsons, are, are, they're, they've been stretched into widescreen and it's and a lot of the visual jokes seem to be like completely ruined i've, I've just i've just hopefully that is being fixed that it should be fixed by me oh, okay because I've, I've just bought every season on dvd for like 30 quid like thanks ebay oh, you remember that for, you, you remember that format D, digital versus hard disk well, I, I i don't trust disney with its um it's sort of like attitude towards streaming and archive and um, it's archive. So I try to, when it comes to Disney products, I actually want like, like the, 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 a lot of the classic movies and the Pixar movies. I try to get a decent, either Blu-ray or available 4K release. Mm. Um, because I mean, some, I mean, I mean, some of the 4K streaming I have watched for things like Mandalorian, it's been pretty good, I've, especially with the Dolby Atmos. I've heard, I've heard it, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I, I've cut to be honest. I'm kind of a bit Star Wars out. <laughs> Uh, but you're all about the Marvel. I'm all about the Marvel. I still, yeah, the MCU's there, so I, I'm, I'm mm. looking forward to the the, the series that are coming out there. So that, there is there's stuff to if you're an MCU fan, it's definitely worth the. They money. are um, obviously with uh, current climate, they are releasing some of their upcoming stuff straight on the Disney Plus. Artemis Fowl is going to go straight to Disney Plus in June. I was interested Which, until I had a look at the trailer. I, I'm, I hate to be one of these nerdy naysayers, but they, they seems they've completely removed everything that made the books good. I could be wrong, and we'll, we'll, we should definitely. Uh, it will we'll def- definitely, we'll review, definitely it. review it. Yeah, we'll definitely review it. Because um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of the book, so mm. I just. I mean, for for me with Disney Plus, I'm in it for a lot of things like the documentaries. I've been watching The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Is that good? Because I want, I want it, that to be the be- best program that's ever made. It's it's Jeff Goldblum just being Jeff Goldblum around certain things. So I've watched two episodes so far. So the first episode was about sneakers, and Jeff Jeff Goldblum goes to like conventions about sneakers, and it's kind of like all oh, these shoes, they're just so wow. And then the second, then the second episode is all about ice cream. It's like I remember when I had ice cream, I just went ooh, back to my childhood, <laughs> back to the fifties, all that, all that sort of stuff. Stuff and yeah, and they they go they see uh, the Ben and Jerry's the the people behind Ben and Jerry's and they also go to a um they also go to a very interesting ice cream parlor where they're mixing very odd flavors together. So it's like, hey, do you know what this is? This is pig's blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're going to mix this with a little bit of berries. Like, oh, good lord, no! I got, I got a friend of mine was in um, in Greece a few years ago, and they kept sending me pictures back of the crazy flavors of ice cream they discovered there. My favorite one was Viagra flavor. I, f- I always thought ice cream was soft, you know, but <laughs> it guaranteed to keep it's soft, soft on the outside, hard on the inside. <laughs> oh, this episode is obscene. This is so obscene. <laughs> I am so sorry I made that joke. I just couldn't resist. Um, what are we watching next week? Well, next week, uh, for me, we're going to Netflix and we're watching Extraction with Chris Hemsworth. Ooh. Brand new action film. Uh, Chris Hemsworth plays a mercenary who is tasked on recovering a young boy from India. And all hell breaks loose. Um, it's produced by the Russos as well. Oh, okay. And um, and it looked, it looked like a fairly good action thriller. 
I mean, a lot of the action stuff that goes straight to Netflix, unless they're obviously from world cinema markets like China or Japan or something like that, um, they don't necessarily come across or look great. But there's something interesting about um, uh, Extraction, which I'm really interested about. It's out on the... It's out on the... Drumroll, please. It's out on Friday. Monday. It's at, it's out on the twenty fourth. So a, d- a day before we record. Cool. So. Um, my my film is released on Wednesday, the twenty second. Um, uh, it's Netflix exclusive as well. It's an animated family adventure called The Willoughbys. Oh, I noticed. I've I saw that. Mm, it, it's about the it's about the uh, a group of kids that have the worst parents, so they decide to find better parents to kind of yes. Uh, feel more like a family. So, I mean, this would definitely appeal to the younger audiences because oh, yeah. there's nothing children like more than watching films about parents either abandoning them or being killed. Like, it's true. It's completely true. It's like, it's like look, look at the success Harry, of the Harry, Harry Potter, Potter film. Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter. Babe. Ba- yeah, babe. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no. Babe. Um, orphan, orphaned, orphanage. Um, what am I saying? Orphaned. The theme of being orphaned, there we go. The theme of being orphaned is a mm. huge, hugely successful um, uh, oh, yeah, let me sneak in, um, in most children's literature. Um, it, mm. it's, it's, a fan- it's, it's about the fantasy of escaping from your parents' clutches, but also it's, it's the security of it being you know, not real. And then you can go back mm. to your parents. Oh, look at Batman. Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, even, even Superman. My planet blew up. Of course, Super, it did. <laughs> <laughs> but now you get to be a journalist. Yay! I've always wanted to be a journalist. It's a small price to pay. You just, you, the destruction you just, you of Krypton to become the second best reporter at the Daily Planet. I just wondered if the superheroes had like career day at school. It's like, who are you going to be? I'm going to be the fastest man alive. No Flash, you're going to be the janitor of the local shop. <laughs> is that what the flash does i'm not I'm, no I, i'm not familiar with the flash i'm just clutching at terrible jobs to my hat in my and it's like bruce wayne what would you like to be philanthropist wealthy person do good a uh, crime writer you're going to be hey boy <laughs> so yeah i've, I've um, picked the willoughby's <laughs> i've and i've picked extraction we, we end, we've so picked it, very it, different movies from one another Ah, yeah. but then that therein lies the fun of the show. I would like to. I would like to see, like, in a few months' time, what our star rating, our average star ratings of the films we individually pick. I mean, I, I picked Coffee and Cream, <laughs> I mean, so I'm screwed from the outset. Well, yeah, you did pick Coffee and Cream, yeah. <laughs> and I'm never going to forget. But then I picked the main event. <laughs> oh, the main event is worse. <laughs> at least, the main event is worse than Coffee and Cream. Oh, I don't know, actually. No, it's not. No, I, I take we, gave, we, gave, we gave the main event a higher style rating than Did Coffee we? and Cream. Was it two so stars? don't you. Well, I think we gave it like two, two and a half or something like that. Two and a half is generous. Yeah. It, it, well, it's about two stars. <laughs> <laughs> but Babe is yeah, five and Free Solo is also five. five. So uh, we, we're at the top of the curve. It's a good thing. And we thing. gave Bloodshot six stars, didn't we? I gave it five out of seven. Out seven. Fair. Great. Do you want to wrap this up? <laughs> but, but yes, of course. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the films. Uh, as you can, as we said, Babe is available on Netflix and Free Solo is available on Disney+. Plus. Um, as always, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your film suggestions. Please email us 
via contact at bunkerzilla.co.uk. As well as that, you can listen to me, Christian, and our Obsidian Waterfall Adonis friend, Jason Freeman, in Trivial Titans. That is also available on all good podcast channels right now. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. It's always been a blast. I've been, jo- I've been Ian Bolton, and I've been joined by Christian R. Allen. Stay. Keep it cinematic. Adios. Bye. Bye-bye.